Good morning, church. And happy Easter to everyone. Thank you to those who answered that. I appreciate that. <laughs> happy Easter, everybody. Yeah. I don't want anyone to feel left out. So it is Easter time, and it is also springtime. And the sun has started to shine a little bit, and it's going to get better and better. And it's going to be a great spring because the groundhog didn't saw its shadow, didn't see its shadow. I can't remember what they do, but apparently it's going to be a good spring. I remember that from a few weeks ago at Groundhog Day. And springtime is a time of new beginnings. And Easter is also all about new beginnings. So it is really fitting that Easter takes place during spring. Because during spring, we begin to think and see with our own eyes and experience how in all of creation, things begin to change. The old things begin to pass away and new things begin to, to appear. You know that old dead brown grass that's been lying there under the snow once the snow melts, the grass doesn't look very pretty. But then in springtime, the little green shoots begin to appear and we, we witness new life taking place. Little bunny rabbits begin to start appearing in the spring. Birds begin to lay eggs in their nests. Shops begin to sell chocolate eggs in their shops. So new things begin to happen around about Easter time. A lot of people choose spring to, as the time to spring clean their home. Well, not everybody does, but really enthusiastic people do that, at least. <laughs> I saw a meme on social media. I kind of feel a little bit more like this meme. It said, I'm going to be spring cleaning my house today. And by cleaning, I mean drinking wine and spraying everything with Febreze. <laughs> Well, do you know, that is actually not that far away from some of the Febreze adverts. I mean, have you seen some of the adverts? It's like, is your couch dirty and stinking and filled with germs? Just spray a little bit of Febreze. It'll be all right. I'm sure it'll be fine, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, I encourage people to take pictures of the Bible verses. I see people are taking pictures of this. <laughs> What I learned in church today, you know, <laughs> on Easter Sunday. <laughs> so, I think we all know that spraying Febreze does not really constitute spring cleaning your house. But, you know, sometimes at Easter, also at Christmas, at times like that when, when the Christian message is a little bit more in the public forum, the public eye... Sometimes people think, I'll just, I'll go to church on Easter or I'll go to church on Christmas Eve or something. I'll just spray a little bit of religious Febreze on me. <laughs> and it's kind of like on the outside, I've got a little bit of, of Christianity. But we all know that, that, that when your dirty, stinking, germ-infested couch needs a deep cleansing, 
It maybe even needs some of the old stuffing taken out and some restoration taking place that spraying a little bit of Febreze doesn't do the job. And Easter is not about just us reminding ourselves of something that happened 2,000 years ago and piously thinking, wasn't that wonderful, and coming to church and spraying some religious Febreze and then going away. Easter's not about that at all. Easter is saying, you're the couch, you know, the dirty couch, the one that doesn't smell so fresh, the one that's burst, the one that needs a restoration. Every human being is in a situation where we don't just need a little bit of religious Febreze sprayed on top of us. We need to experience a deep cleansing in our lives And we need a complete restoration to happen to all our broken and wounded parts. And just like the couch cannot repair itself, so it needs a restorer to repair it, so at the same time, we can't repair ourselves. We need the heavenly restorer to repair us, and that is what the Easter message is all about. It's about how God sent his son Jesus to come and reveal to us how good, how kind, how loving, and how forgiving God is. How we as humanity rejected Jesus, rejected his message of love, put him to death, crucified him, but God turns all things to good and he took that act and Jesus took that act of rejection and bore our sins, our brokenness, our regrets, our guilt, our shame upon himself, took it to the tomb and rose again to new life to prove that God has the power to give us new life, to give us a new start in life, to take away our old stuff and to make everything new. You know, in Jesus' teaching, he told a lot of stories uh, called parables. And one of his most famous parables is all about this. It's all about how God is a God who can take the things in your life that are dirty, that are tainted, that are broken, that are damaged, and he can exchange those old things for new things. That he can bring a new start, a clean slate, a fresh sheet of paper for you to begin to write your story on brand new from the start all over again. That parable is called the parable of the prodigal son. And one of those songs that we sang, we actually um, sang about it, that God is the God who forgives and who brings prodigals back. Now, prodigals is an old-fashioned word, and it basically means somebody who has been, you know, kind of like uh, contrary or difficult or has gone off and done their own thing and so on. And here's the story that Jesus told. He tells a very human story, but he is telling it to illustrate what God is like and very often what we are like too. So God is like the father in this story, and we are like the son. And here's the story. Jesus said there was a father, fairly wealthy father, I would guess. He was a landowner. He had 
possessions and belongings. And he also had two sons. And the younger son came to the father one day and said, divide the inheritance for me and my brother just now and give me my half of the inheritance. Now, I want you to think how bad that is. So this was the inheritance that the father was planning on giving to his sons when he died. So the younger son is basically saying, I wish you were dead. I am not going to wait until you're dead. I want the money that you've got for me right now. And Jesus is pointing out that very often, rather than having a heart of love for our Heavenly Father and a heart of gratitude for all that He does and all that He provides, we can develop this bad attitude towards God. We can want things our way. We can want them right now. We don't want to wait. We don't want to take our our father's advice. We know better. How many of you can remember being a teenager? How many of you remember? Does anybody remember that? I remember reading a quote by Mark Twain. He said, when I was 15 years old, my father was a complete idiot and knew nothing. But by the, time I, by the time I was 25, I was amazed at how much he had learned by that time. <laughs> you know, so the teenage son thinks the father's an idiot, thinks he knows better. Isn't it so amusing sometimes when you look about the vast universe that is here, and then you've got some human being, this little tiny ant down here in one little planet in the universe saying, I'm angry at God. I don't like God. I don't believe in God. And here's the creator of all the universe. Thinking, when, you, when you grow up a little bit and you get out of that phase, you might learn a little bit more. But sometimes it takes us stewing in our own juices for a while before we come to our senses. So in the story, the father, because his heart is full of love, although his heart is broken over his son's attitude, he does give his son his portion of the inheritance. Well, the son decides to leave home, leave the family, and go to a distant land, and he decides to just party all of his money away. He gets lots of friends, he's got lots of women around him, he's got lots of alcohol, he's got lots of fun. He thinks all of these people are his genuine friends until his money runs out. And when his money runs out, his friends run out, the women aren't around, the alcohol's not around, the party is over, and he is left with nothing. This boy was given an amazing inheritance as a gift, and he squandered the lot. Every one of us are capable of doing that with our lives. Our loving Heavenly Father gave you the gift of life. But very often we take that gift that he has given us, we choose to reject him, we we choose to go our own way, we choose to make foolish decisions over and over and over again, we choose selfishness, we choose sinfulness, and eventually we are left with shame, guilt, and a life filled with regrets. And that's what this boy's situation was. 
And so he had no money left, and he was too ashamed to go back to his, his home. So he then goes and looks for work. And the only work that he can find is tending pigs in, the, in a pig pen. And here's the thing. This boy is a Jewish boy. And pigs are an unclean animal to them, and they don't eat pork and things like that. So to this boy, this is like the lowest he could go. It's almost like he, has, he now realizes that he has turned his back on everything, even his own identity. And he's getting paid so little money that he doesn't even have enough money to, to make ends meet, even in this beggarly situation. And it says in the story that he's so hungry that he would even want to eat the food that he was feeding to the pigs. You know, human beings, unlike any other animal, have got the ability to live in the most degrading conditions possible. Animals don't do to themselves the things that human beings do to themselves. And yet, human beings also have the ability to be the kindest, most loving, most helpful people also. We, ha we have the ability to become everything that God created us to be and to fulfill and realize our God-given potential. But we also have the ability to turn away from it and become more animalistic than even animals are. And you know, there's an old saying that preachers used to use about sin. Don't mess around with sin. People think, oh, there's just a little thing here and a little lie there and cheating on my tax here and, and flirting with the secretary there or whatever. It's not that bad. But here's the saying preachers used to use, and I'll use it today. Sin will take you further than you intended to go and will keep you there longer than you intended to stay. Once you start going down the wrong path, away from your spiritual family, away from your loving heavenly father, you don't know where you'll end up. And this young man ended up in a shameful, guilt-ridden state filled with regrets. And then Jesus says this sentence, he said, but when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, he said to myself, himself, what am I doing here? My father's servants get treated better than I'm getting treated. I'm going to go back home and say, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore, but just hire me as a servant. And he rehearses this whole speech about how he's going to tell his father he's sorry. And he begins to make his way to his father's house. And Jesus said this, the father was looking for his son and saw him at a great distance away. And the father went running to his son to embrace his son. You see, the son was very nervous about going back home. He wasn't sure how he was going to be received. And I've, I have found as a pastor, as I've talked to many people over the years, that many people have such a strange concept of God. They're, they're, they're 
scared to come to God and to say they're sorry. They think that God is angry with them, that he's judging them, that he's condemning them, that he is disapproving of them. But I want to tell you, you take one step towards God, you're going to discover something. He has been looking longingly for your return for years, and he will come running towards you, and he will throw his arms around you, and he won't even let you get your speech out. Look what happened. He began to, the the son began to say his speech, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He had this overwhelming sense of unworthiness. He was aware that he was lost. He was aware that he had taken the wrong path in life. He was aware that he had strayed away. I'm no longer worthy. But he didn't even get finishing his speech, hire me as a servant. The father stopped him and said to the servants, quick, bring the best robe out and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf out. You know, they, they, they had a farm, but they had one calf they were fattening up for a special occasion. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Do you know that you could be here today, maybe your spouse or your parents or your children dragged you here and you don't usually come to church, but it's Easter Sunday and you came anyway. Do you know that God is absolutely delighted with every indication of somebody taking even the slightest step towards him, that he wants to come and say, I am your father, I love you, I forgive you, I'm on your side, I will take that dirty, those dirty clothes that you've been rolling around in the, with the pigs in, I will take all that old stuff off you, I will clean you up, I will put a robe on you, I will put a, a ring on your finger and sandals on your feet, I will throw a banquet to celebrate God God is a God not who is filled with condemnation, but who's filled with love and who is filled with joy and who rejoices at every opportunity to help his children experience forgiveness and healing and peace and a brand new beginning. God is the God of another chance and he can give every one of us a fresh start in life today, this Easter Sunday. I, um, I was reading a story a while ago. It was about this man. He was a businessman, and he wasn't religious, didn't have any kind of spiritual faith or anything. And because of the stress at his work, he had become a workaholic, and then eventually he became an alcoholic, and then eventually he had an affair, and then his wife discovered he was having the affair, and she didn't know whether she wanted to forgive him or leave him, and, and he was distraught about the whole thing. And he was driving down the road, down this highway, it was in Texas. He was driving down this highway and he was like overwhelmed with shame 
and with remorse and with guilt. And he realized that he thought he was just making silly, little silly decisions one at a time, but he realized that he had gone further than he ever intended to go and had stayed longer than he intended to stay and his life had become shipwrecked as a result. And he was driving down this highway there's a very big church there that was just off the highway. The next intersection took you to the church. But before that intersection, there was a big giant water tower there. And the church had rented the water tower to put an advert on it. And this was the advert. The man was driving down the road. And on the advert was this giant painting of Jesus pointing. And the word said, I forgive you, was the words written above Jesus. And when the man saw that, he was suddenly so overwhelmed with emotion to realize God could forgive me, God could change me, that he pulled off at the next intersection, went to the church, sat through the service, gave his life to Jesus Christ, became a Christian, and when I heard him sharing his story, everything had changed in his life. He was free from alcoholism, his marriage had been restored, his family were now involved in the church. Instead of shame, and instead of of anxiety, and instead of division in their lives, they were building a brand new life filled with love, filled with joy, filled with forgiveness, and filled with Jesus Christ. Because that's, a, that's what Easter's all about. That's why Jesus died on the cross. To forgive us, not to condemn us, but to welcome us home. On the cross of Jesus Christ, I've got a little image, I think, of the, of the death and resurrection of Jesus. This cave is, like, symbolizes the, the tomb that Jesus was in. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us he didn't die for himself. He didn't die because he had done anything wrong. He died for a purpose. He came for a purpose. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but will receive everlasting life. When Jesus died on the cross, he bore our sins and he took our sins to the grave and left them there and he arose again to new life. And all of that is symbolic that if we will open up our lives to God, we will experience that forgiveness of our sins, our mistakes, our regrets washed away. And we too can rise up to newness of life. Over here, I stand, I'm standing right here on top of a baptism tank. If we lifted up these three panels, there's a baptism tank under here. And um, we are doing uh, baptisms here in two weeks' time. And I've got a little baptism image here as well. When, when you're being baptized and you go under the water, it, and then you come back up out of the water, that is that what we're doing when we do that is we're saying, my old life with all of my regrets and all of my mistakes, all of my guilt and shame, I am saying that it was dead and buried with Jesus Christ in the grave. 
And when we come up out of the water, we're saying, I am rising to a brand new life, just like Jesus did. And the reason it's not just an empty tomb we have here, but it's water, is because water symbolizes the washing away of our old life and us arising clean to a brand new life. We're not just going to spray a little bit of Febreze. We're going to wash the whole person. That's what it's about. That's what the cross and the, the tomb and the resurrection's about. That's what baptism's about. That's what Easter's about. That's what Christianity's about. That God has made a way for every one of us to be forgiven, to be deeply cleansed, to have our wounds healed, our shame lifted off, our old garments cast aside, and a brand new life put on us so that we can begin to live a life the way God intended us to live. A life in partnership with God, a life of faith, a life where, that's being steered down the right path, a life of love and hope and joy and inner peace. I've got a Bible verse for us, it's 2 Corinthians, it's a famous passage, and it says this, it says, for we know that when we die and leave this earthly body, we have a house in heaven made for us by God himself, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. You know, even when you die, this old thing's getting laid aside. It's getting put, you know, it's kind of like you took your suit of clothes off and everybody buried it and put it in a coffin and we, we talked about your suit of clothes, but the real you is gone. It's gone and you're clothed you're, with, with a heavenly presence. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged, and we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done while in these earthly bodies. Now, that could be a little bit nerve-wracking, depending on what you've done while in this body. But it goes on, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also have died to our old life and now live a new life for Christ who died and was raised from the dead. When someone trusts in Christ, he becomes a brand new person inside. The old things have been replaced by the new. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. When Jesus died on the cross, God, God was in Christ, forgiving everyone's sins, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. I know sometimes religious people count your sins against you. Well, look at that person there. That's their third glass of wine and their second bottle of Febreze they're on today, you know. <laughs> I know other people chalk up your sins, but look what it says. God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against you. Jesus is pointing and saying, you are forgiven. I paid the price why are you sitting there in a pig pen? Come on home. Let the Father embrace you. Let me clean you up and make you a new person.
And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Listen, if you've been straying down the wrong path, can I just say that today is the day to come back to God? Come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Jesus Christ. You know, I talked about an old burst couch, dirty couch being restored, but maybe there's a better image in the news recently. You know, I have been to Paris, France on a number of occasions, and I've been inside Notre Dame Cathedral, and we have a picture of it here. It's a beautiful building. You, you can sail in these glass-covered boats up the River Seine, up one side of it, and you can go down the other. It's a major landmark in, the hist- in Paris. It's a major monument in the history of Christianity. It has stood for 850 years there. It survived two world wars. I mean, it's incredible. But then just recently, if you look at the next picture, this is what we saw of it. And you know, sometimes our lives can reflect that. You know, a church is a building that is built for people to worship God, but it's only a symbolic thing. The Bible says God doesn't dwell in buildings made of stones. He dwells in human hearts. The Bible says your body, you are the temple of God. God dwells in you. But sometimes our lives become like this. Sometimes through our own faults, our own sins, our own mistakes, or our own negligence, or sometimes through other people sinning against us, hurting us, wounding us, betraying us, all kinds of things, just the circumstances of life can cause our lives to feel like they're burning to the ground. And it's all over. And it's all hopeless. But they have announced, the president of France announced, and lots of people have come to the rescue financially to say, we will restore Notre Dame Cathedral to its former glory, and they will do it within five years' time. And one of the best images that came out of this was the next one, that the cross remained untouched by all the flames. When the rescue, when, when the, 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 the first responders went into the building and saw everything destroyed and all the pews burned and there shining in gold untouched during this holy week was the cross of Jesus Christ. Because out of the ashes of a burned and destroyed life, the cross of Jesus can bring new hope, can cause you to rise from the ashes and start your life all over afresh. You know, rebuilding your life can sometimes take time. 
And next Sunday, I hope you all come back next Sunday, because we're going to do part two of this message about how to now live this new life. How do I live a new life? But today I'm just saying, let's begin a new life today. Let's start a new life today. Let's open up the doors of our life to Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, and say, take my whole life. Come into every part, every nook and cranny in my past, my present my future, my memory, my heart, my mind, my life, my family. Come in, God. Come and clean everything up. Embrace me with the Father's love and give me a brand new start. Even if you've been hurt by people, even if you've been hurt by churches, even if you've been put off by religion, even if you feel too much of a sinner, You've come to the right place. We've all been put off by religion and the place is full of sinners. Just look around and you'll see them. They're everywhere. There is a new beginning in Jesus Christ for every one of us. Just before we pray together, I want us to watch this short video clip of someone who was put off by religion but found a new life here at Gateway. I was born into a Roman Catholic family, and over the years in my childhood, I started to disagree with some of the policies of the church. Um, I found it to be corrupt. That started to make me question my faith in God, and eventually I became an atheist. Through my adulthood, I started to notice that all my atheist friends were more obsessed with God than even any of my Christian or Catholic friends. And I started to think maybe I was missing something because if something doesn't exist, I don't understand why people would focus their whole lives on it. So that led me to kind of question maybe I had been wrong and maybe it was just a a disagreement with the church rather than actually not believing in God. It was just becoming enough. It was, you know, I was depressed, I had a lot of anxiety and I found that I was becoming more closed off to people and maybe not all of that was associated with atheism, but definitely the fact that I didn't have a community to turn to because everyone, it was all a bonding over our negativity. So I definitely started to feel like maybe God was speaking to me, like your life shouldn't be all about negativity. You shouldn't be depressed all the time. You should be looking for people to join and to share joy with rather than negativity. So that was the thing that really triggered me to start looking for people to explore my faith with. I decided maybe I would try a Bible study just so that I could learn more about the Bible. Maybe in a smaller group setting, people might not be as judgmental. Um, So I looked online and I actually found the Gateway groups and decided that maybe I would check out a Sunday service. So I came on December 2nd and from the moment that I walked through the door, everybody was very friendly, very welcoming. Um, I have a daughter, and I needed to check her in with Gateway Kids. People directed me right over there. Even the kids were helping us out, showing us how to check her in. The service was very lively and exciting. There was smiling faces everywhere, and I found like it was very comfortable to be able to learn about God, to celebrate God, and to not feel judged. And as I got to know people better, I found a lot of people had the same story as I did, where the corruption of the church turned them away, 
and then eventually they realized that it wasn't God they had a problem with, it was just that specific church. Now that I'm at Gateway, I feel like I can learn and grow in my faith. I'm getting to know other people, I'm learning about God. I have much more peace in my life, even though I'm going through a very stressful time right now. I know that no matter what, it's going to work out. Now that I have a relationship with God, I feel a calm in my life. I feel like life has a purpose, whereas before, I was alone in any obstacle that I would face, and I didn't really feel like there was much point a lot of the time. Now I have God in my corner, I have a community, and I feel like life is worth living. Wasn't that a great story? Let's, st let's all stand together. You know, God can take your old life. In that story, she was an atheist. She also suffered from anxiety and depression and felt that her life was filled with negativity. Maybe some of you here can relate to some of those things. Maybe even all of them. Maybe some of you, it's not the same issues, but there are other issues. Anxiety, depression, or maybe it's guilt and regrets. Maybe it's confusion or doubt. We all have issues in our life. We all get damaged going through the journey of life. We get damaged by life. We get damaged by other people. But the worst of all is all of the self-harm that we inflict on ourselves. When, like the prodigal son, we choose to go our own way. Isn't it great to know that Easter is about forgiveness and a brand new life? And it's not just some vague promise based on some religious belief, but it's about an actual event that took place in history when the Son of God conquered death, hell, and the grave, when He rose again, when He was seen by countless eyewitnesses, when the body was missing from the tomb because He was alive. And the fact that He is alive shows that He has the power to give life to me and to you. And so, we're going to pray a prayer now. And in this prayer, we're going to open up our lives to God. Maybe you have never, ever done that. Today can be the day of a brand new beginning for you as you join in this prayer with us. Maybe you have done it before and you have a, a faith in God, but you've strayed down the wrong path or you've got issues in your life open the doors wide today and invite God into every part of your life maybe your faith is strong, maybe you're beginning to flourish in life in a way that you never have before but hey, no matter how much blessing God gives us, he's always got some more so all of us I encourage every one of us wherever you are in your journey of faith today Let's say this prayer today together. Let's open up our lives wide and let's allow the presence and invite the presence of the risen Jesus Christ 
into our lives to fill every part. We're going to pray to God as our Father, like Jesus said. We're going to acknowledge to God that we have sinned and made mistakes and done the wrong thing. We're going to say that we believe that Jesus lived and died and rose again for us. We're going to ask for our old stuff to be taken away and for a new beginning to be put into our lives. So I want to encourage you as we say this prayer together, don't just be reading the words. Be thinking in your mind about the meaning of the words and be believing in your heart as you say these words as a prayer to God. And as you do so, as you open up your life, as you think about the meaning and as you believe with all your heart, God will begin to gently and peacefully, yet powerfully and eternally work in your heart and life. Are we ready to pray, church? If you want, you can lift your hands, you can lift them up, you can do this, you can do that, you can do whatever you want. But let's let's pray in faith. Let's say together, let's go. Father God, I come to you in prayer. I acknowledge that I have gone astray and sinned many times. I ask you to forgive me right here and right now. I believe that Jesus died and rose again to free me from my sins, hurts and regrets. May my old life be taken away. May I begin a new life today. And may my life be filled with your presence 